Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Indeed, today is the day. It is the 1st of November, 2019. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise and shine. I know. So for some of you, you are thinking to yourself, you know, how how is it? How is it that she greets every day with such enthusiasm? So um, part of the way in which God has wired me is that I really feel like I'm going to be able to do the most significant battle against the enemy if I'm actually up and at him. Now, I recognize that it's God's work and God's doing it, and he doesn't really need me, and he is absolutely able able to achieve all of it without me. But um, I view it as just a just astonishing, um, fun. I know. Now, now you're going to say, no, we knew she was a little bit crazy. Um, when my feet hit the floor in the morning, I am literally thrilled at the opportunity that uh, is then set before me in conversations, in time with you, um, in opportunities I haven't even yet imagined, but God has planned, where I am going to be able to take back even even one square inch of terrain in the kingdom where the enemy thinks that he is ruling, um, something that he thinks he has seized and captured and can hold and withhold from God and and I can and I can snatch it back. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much um what I feel like I can do in terms of bringing glory to God in a given day. And so we've talked before about, you know, that may just be picking up little pieces of trash along the path of life. Um and certainly not adding more trash, not I mean like physical litter, yes, but not just like adding trash to the conversation or adding darkness to the world. But let's be people who add light. Like so anywhere anywhere that's dark, I feel like, you know what, I'm gonna go be shiny. I'm gonna I'm gonna let the love of Christ shine through me. Um it's maybe all I've got in a moment is to um is to smile or to, you know, have eyes that are bright and forward looking and full of hope. Um versus all of the darkness that exists in in people's countenance today. I don't know if you've no- noticed that. People have a dour countenance today. Christians ought not have a dour countenance, right? We are um, we are people of eternal hope, uh, and we are people who are firmly grounded and rooted. We are people who are blessed beyond the world's imagining because the blessings that we have are spiritual blessings, and God pours them out in all sufficient measure for accomplishing His will in and through our lives. And so, um, when you when your feet hit the floor this morning. You know, today's the day. Like, today's the day. Today is not yesterday, and today is not yet tomorrow. And so today's the day. Today's the day we've got. If you missed my conversation yesterday with um, Oz Guinness, I'm going to really encourage you to go and listen to that. He has written a book called Carpe Diem Redeemed. And so when we think about seizing the day, I think that we often think about, you know, all that we could make of it or all that we could make in it. Like, right, all of the stuff we could get and gather under ourselves and 
hoard into barns. Uh, that's really not what seizing the day is all about for Christians. Um, let us seize the day in the way that God has given for the ways in which God intends us to live in order that we could live lives that are significant and substantial. And cons- I think the word that um, Oz uses throughout the book is consequential, that we should be people of consequence, that it should it should make a difference that we walked into a room and that we walked into a conversation and that we walked out of a room um, and left something behind in the conversation. So there you go. Today is the day, um, and you're going to get an extra hour this weekend. And so before the end of this hour, I'm going to talk about that. Uh, and so, you know, you can go go ahead and be thinking about how you're going to spend the extra hour you're going to get this weekend. Uh, but we're going to save that conversation for a little bit later in this hour because right now Adam Holtz is waiting and he and I have things to talk about. So Adam Holtz from Plugged In up next here on Mornings with Carmen. delightful Friday music for Adam Holtz. Welcome back, man. Carmen, always good to talk to you on Fridays. It makes me happy. Your walk-up music makes me happy. It makes me happy, too. I mean, I, such a, an iconic fanfare just for me. It, it, it feeds right. my narcissism just a little bit. <laughs> I've picked a walk-up song, but I don't get to be on anybody else's show, so nobody ever hears my walk-up song. There oh, man. That's, it's by Skillet. That... It's We Are Lions. Oh, yeah. We're huge right. Skillet fans in my family. So, uh, okay. So I'm in preparation just... for our conversations, you could just play <laughs> my walk-up music in your own little environment. There you go. So go we ahead, interviewed John Cooper, one, John Cooper a while back. We went to the latest Skillet concert, and my son's a huge fan. And his, um, I think we talked a couple months ago about his friend who committed suicide. And so we went to the Skillet concert two days later. I interviewed John. You can see that on our plugged in YouTube channel. Um, but here's the thing, you know, when you interview celebrities, Christian celebrities, sometimes you get the sense that they're the real deal. And sometimes you walk away thinking they're a little full of themselves. So uh, <laughs> myself included, right? Although I'm not a celebrity. Anyway, I digress badly. John Cooper dedicated a song to Henry during the concert. And it was amazing. I just stood there and was in, in awe of the beauty of this moment in the midst of tragedy. And I think that's how God works. I mean, tying it back to what you were saying, we don't know what a day brings, but if we have a stance of of openness and, and just receiving from him and being willing to walk obediently into it, sometimes he surprises us with really incredible things. And to have John Cooper, you know, dedicate a song to my son during the show, um, that was really remarkable. So we're, we're huge Skillet fans. Yeah, he's the real deal. He's the real, He's deal. The real cool. deal. He is the we real great, deal. We had anyway. a great conversation here uh, on the show with him after he had a viral post on his Facebook page, which it was, the funniest yeah. viral thing was he was like, yeah, I, 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 I'm not even really on Facebook, but I just had needed to like say something. And so that's where I said it. He's like, it's yep. kind of weird. People read it. I'm like, yeah, people read it. Mm-hmm. Okay. People read it. L- let's talk about, um, there's a movie out this weekend. I want to focus on Harriet. Tell us about yeah, Harriet. Yeah, let's focus on Harriet. Yeah. Um, I really, really liked this movie. Now, most people probably know that Harriet Tubman, which is what this movie focuses on, was, you know, a leader in the Underground Railroad. Frankly, that is just about where my knowledge, you know, 
of whatever I learned in middle school or high school about her comes to a screeching halt. And in this movie, we get uh, a depiction of her story that is quite remarkable. It's quite remarkable that even though this isn't a Christian movie, it is absolutely infused with the idea that she is responding to God in everything she does. Now, the interesting thing is she's a, she escapes as a slave from Maryland. She makes her way 100 miles north to Pennsylvania. She becomes a part of the anti-slavery society, but she's hardly content to just sit around and, you know, talk about the evils of slavery. You know, she leads raid after raid after raid to go free slaves, mostly from fairly close around the area where she was a slave, according to the movie's depiction. Um, but the movie says that she has this almost mystical relationship with God through dreams and visions, and he warns her of impending danger so that she can change direction. And she gives credit to God for keeping her alive, and she talks about how at times it has been difficult to obey him because she didn't understand what he was communicating. But but what we really get here is a picture of bold obedience and what God can do through someone who is yielded to him. Now, we could have a side theological conversation on dreams and visions, um, and we'll save that for another time. But the way this movie really unpacks her story, I thought it was quite remarkable. And, and I had no idea about most of the stuff in, in her story. Yeah, I think that in addition to uh, the, maybe the more secular um, outlets that are reviewing it, um, Christian CBN has a uh has a review of the movie up as well. And so I think I think you have touched on all of the really like relevant and important um notes here and that is that particularly when we have conversations with our kids maybe about this movie, you know, one of yeah. the things is to talk about is how do we hear from the Lord and how do yeah. we test what we think we're hearing against scripture because God's God's Absolutely. never going to Right, depart from uh, his own character and and yep. his own will, and all of that is already revealed to us in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. And so we have something against which we can test those those visions and dreams. If we think That's we're right. hearing God tell us to do something, um, you know, there is a way to test that, and there's a way to test it in community as well with other Christians. So, but really, exactly really right. provocative and encouraging film. All right, hey yep. Adam, let's take a quick break. When we come back. You saw the Conway, um, uh, the Kanye film, and so I, I want to talk. I want to talk with you about that and that experience. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen, continuing my conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families, plugged in. Nobody can see that, but that's my walk-up music. Thanks, Paul I know, right? That's super nice. No problem. You never told me. Well, nobody yeah, you ever have asked. not because you asked not. Uh, well, yeah, you okay. have not because you asked not. It's exactly point made, right. Point made, point made, point made. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is now the best interview we've ever had because I got to dance to my own little walk-up music in my studio. Thank you, Adam yep. Holtz, for making that happen. Kanye you know, West. Kanye, Kanye West, West. Right? Also now just known as Ye. Which I yeah. think is kind of cool. I mean, yeah. you, know, you just want to be celebrated when <laughs> when you walk into a room, then just turn your name into something that is a celebration. Um, 
So we talked here about Jesus as King as an album, and everybody anticipating yes. that it was going to drop. But it's it's not just an album. There's a right. film event. I'm going to use that language because yeah. um, in the in the movie review at PluggedIn.com, uh, you know, you guys say it's it's not exactly a documentary. So talk with us no. about this film <laughs> event and your experience of watching it. Well, you know, I never know what to expect walking into a movie, and I try to have my, you know, my expectations held loosely. But um, this movie just exceeded my expectations. Uh, it is mostly footage of the choir that he uses in his Sunday service, which we've talked about before, and they're singing, uh, and they're singing gospel esque stuff. Kanye doesn't even show up until about the last five minutes of this. And now it's only 31 minutes. It's almost more like a really long music video than a feature length movie. But what's interesting is they filmed it um, at a place in Arizona. Uh, it's, a, it's called an open air observatory. And it almost looks like the set of a science fiction movie. I mean, they walk through this long, keyhole shaped hallway which there's a picture of it on our website and then up into this lit area and there's a, a large oval opening where they can view the sky and so what the cinematographer did was uh, a lot of it is almost in the shadows um, with this backdrop of creation and so we see you know one scene has the the director of the choir directing passionately uh, with the camera looking straight up, almost as if it's at his feet, and we see the clouds roiling over above him. And so I thought that they did a, an incredible job of capturing both the intimacy of an individual's faith with the transcendence of God. And it kind of gave me the chills, honestly. And uh, and it's intercut with various passages of Scripture from start to finish. Uh it was incredibly Jesus-focused, and Kanye does show up, but we never actually see his face. He's completely in the shadows, uh, and then the movie ends with him holding his little baby and singing a song to, I think it's a boy, um, and and it's incredible. Um, I, honestly, I walked out feeling like it was one of the more surprising, worshipful experiences that I have had recently, uh, just in the way that it, it focused on Jesus. So uh, a really nice addition to the Jesus focus of the album that dropped last week as well. So I'm going to read a, a couple of paragraphs from your review. Jesus is King is broken up regularly by passages of Scripture pointing toward Jesus and the gospel, beginning with Mark 1, 15, where we read on screen, quote, in the words of Jesus Christ, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Elsewhere, we see the words of John 3.16, John 8.12, Philippians 4.23 on screen, and the film concludes with, quote, every knee shall bow, Jesus is Lord. Exultation, praise, and worship pour forth from the choir throughout. We hear song lyrics such as, O Lord, how excellent is thy name, and Jesus is the King, King of Kings, Jesus is Lord, our God we praise forever. Now, Adam, whatever criticisms there might be in the culture for the way a particular individual um, uh, carries himself from time to time. This sure does sound like a guy who is using his platform uh, to make Jesus known. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think what Kanye is doing in saying Jesus is king, the implication is, I am not the king. 
Mm-hmm. And the culture doesn't know what to do with that. Um, you know, I read a couple of things about him this week. He continues to talk about not just that, but behavioral oriented stuff. You know, he he asked the choir to abstain from premarital sex. And who knows how many of them might have been participating in that while they were filming this. And so he is connecting the dots between if Jesus is king, it actually has implications for our behavior. And that's the connection that sometimes doesn't get made when people, celebrities, start talking about Jesus. They want to claim Jesus, but there's no obvious change in their life. And I think the fact that he is changing behaviorally, people don't know what to do with it, and it's threatening to them. And frankly, it should be. Jesus confronts us with this. I mean, it's, it is a remarkable, transcendent thing, but it demands that we bow the knee. And Kanye, at least for the moment, uh, and I hope that it continues to happen. I'm really not trying to be cynical. Uh, He's bowing the knee and people don't have a category for it because that's certainly not who he has been. Which is exactly what we should be Right, pointing out and celebrating. Like this is absolutely. This this is absolutely. This is a very publicly transformed life, and um, and you know, like everybody else, I I want to be the person who, um, who's extremely hopeful, um, and also is recognizes that just like I fail and fall, um, and you know, he he is likely going to have many uh, many opportunities to do so as well. And that discipleship is a lifelong process, like, right? None of right. us overnight just suddenly become the saint, right? And so no, um, we, exactly become, right. We, we become a person who is in the process then of being sanctified. Having been justified, right. um, we then enter right. into this process of sanctification. So I want to be praying for that. Hey, we've got like a minute. Tell us what's going on with Kirk Franklin. Well, Kirk Franklin is boycotting the Dove Awards and I think the Gospel Music Awards because they edited out a part of an acceptance speech um, from an award that he received. Uh, He was talking about some racial justice issues, and he's really, really frustrated that that was edited out. And so he – and he said this is the second time something like this has happened. So he he really is at odds with – with the Dove Awards over this thing happening. And I think, it again, um, regardless of what you think about what's happened or his response, it points to this important issue in our culture and how we think and talk about racism, uh, how we listen to other people's perspectives is enormously important. Uh, and I think his response illustrates that. Yeah, we got to get more comfortable having the very uncomfortable conversations, particularly. That's right. Uh, you know, particularly for those of us who are white, um, if we're yes, not even exactly. willing to listen, if we uh, if we edit out um, the the concerns and comments, uh, particularly you know somebody getting an award, he ought to be able to say what he wants to say. I mean, as long as it's right. not. Yeah, I mean that exactly. happens all the time, right? I mean, That's we see exactly that in every right. yeah. every award show ever. Somebody is using that as a platform to say what they want to say. So, I, you know, I think that <laughs> right. he has justification for being really frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. Adam Holtz, thank you so much. Uh, as always, we look forward to talking with you every week about what's on the big and the small screen and what's getting, therefore, into uh, the mind between our ears. So thank you. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week, Carmen. All right. Sounds great. We're going to take a quick break for Breakpoint. Uh, hallelujah. Come on to say All right, so up next, uh, Ambassador Mark Lagon is going to be back 
We have talked with him before about the global fight against AIDS, but the global fight is um, an organization that is seeking to get us all together, not only in an effort to eradicate AIDS, but also tuberculosis and malaria. And so today we're going to focus on tuberculosis, TB. You may have thought, hey, TB is a thing of the past. Actually, TB is a thing of the present. So we're going to talk about some of the people uh, most gravely affected by tuberculosis today, and we're also going to talk about the global fight against it. So Ambassador Mark Legon is going to be back with us next here on Mornings with Carmen. Does your teenager feel valued and accepted at home? If not, they'll go looking somewhere else. Hey, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. As parents, we do a ton of stuff for our kids. We take care of their physical needs, we cart them around to school events and give them things our parents never did for us. But all these efforts fall short of giving our kids the thing they crave the most, value, acceptance, and belonging. These are the virtues that build self-esteem. It gives them confidence to say no to temptation. They can find value from good grades or excelling in sports, but the only place a teen can find true value is at home. So, does your teen feel valued? Only you can provide a true sense of worth and acceptance they so desperately need. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. who helps to awaken us in terms of bringing real change to the lives of real people in the real world today is Mark Legon. He is um, he is a specialist and practitioner uh, across many regions of the world and across many diseases and, and concerns related to global health and human rights. Uh, he has a great history in terms of ad- advocacy and policymaking related to the trafficking of persons. And we like to talk to Mark from time to time about uh, the global fight and friends of the global fight uh, against AIDS, TB, and malaria. And Mark, I am um, uh, I'm saying TB because apparently I have been mispronouncing the big version of the word. So Mark, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. And what are we talking about today? Yeah, it's so good to be with you again. And it's a pleasure, Carmen. Um you know, there are these three biggest infectious diseases in the world uh, that take on, the, you know, the lives of the most vulnerable. And we we hear more often about HIV, AIDS and malaria. Uh, but tuberculosis that has existed for centuries actually does in more uh, of our fellow human beings each year than AIDS and uh, malaria combined. And, you know, you 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 catch tuberculosis by being breathed on, um, simple as that. And so some of those who the Lord would call uh, us to to have a heart for, people who are in slums and megacities around the world, people who are in prisons, impoverished people with poor health care systems, these are the very ones who are uh, subjected to tuberculosis. And we have it in our power. It's a curable disease. We have it in our power to help those who who are dealing with it. 
So let's talk about the people who are most often affected by um, tuberculosis and see. I, I, t- can you just teach me how to say it? Well, I think you got you got it just right. Uh, uh, tuberculosis. It's not it. <laughs> tuberculosis. I think yeah. I was adding a syllable earlier, so I'm I'm I've gotten rid of the extra syllable. Tuberculosis. Um, can you talk about the people most often uh, affected today, and then the reality that people do still um, have this here in the United States? Indeed. Uh, you know, it's mostly people living in poverty. 95% of the TB cases are, uh, around the world are low and in low and middle income countries. Uh, they're in communities with limited access to health care systems. Um, you know, there are those people who are stigmatized. You, you think of Jesus and his open arms to, to the leper. Uh, to the um, you know prostituted woman, it, you know it's people in prison um, because prison systems you know have people in close quarters and poor ventilation systems. It's people um, who are in slums. Uh, it's you know some there's a high um, co-infection rate with HIV/AIDS. Uh, the most likely way someone will die from AIDS with their immune system cut out. Um, are, are, you know, is tuberculosis. All right. I want to read a paragraph from um, one of the pages at the Global Fund. And so let me just remind people that you can check out the Global Fight and you can check out the Global Fund. So Global Fund um, is a place where you can actually go read stories of, of people affected by um, tuberculosis. Uh, but if you go to the globalfight.org, that's where, uh, you know, I would say the hope-filled resources in terms of how to actually positively engage. I want to read this paragraph um, from the Faces of the Fight page at the Global Fund. More people die today of tuberculosis uh, than of any other infectious disease. It affects the most marginalized, the poorest among us, those without a voice. The world has a historic chance to rise together and defeat once and for all a preventable, treatable, and curable disease that killed, and this, this number is from 2018, so these would be 2017 numbers, that killed 1.6 million people last year. TB touches real people and real communities across the globe, um, often in the prime of life. Tell us a story of a person who um, has contracted and either then it has been cured of or or lost their life to this preventable, treatable, curable disease? Well, let me tell you a story of hope. Um, in Cambodia, a young man by the name of Bung Lurg uh, had a very modest life. He worked with his uh, brother and his brother's wife to clean onions. Their job was to make four or six dollars a day cleaning onions for a street merchant. And uh, Bunglerg in Cambodia was struck uh, by uh, tuberculosis. He lost weight. He he got down to 108 pounds, couldn't get out of bed. Um, His brother, Savana, devoted himself to helping Catholic Relief Services uh, receives funding from the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria, which the American people generously support. Catholic Relief Services helped Bung and his brother, Sovana. The story of tuberculosis is you can cure it, but it's got a horrid long 
course of uh, medicine you need to take. You got to stay on it for six months, take three pills a day. If you miss any of those, there's a chance that TB will mutate and you'll have drug resistant forms of it. So the brother stuck with Bung and he got better. He was able to eat more. He was able to start helping, you know, return their business from being, you know, not making any money to once again making the modest $6 a day cleaning onions um, that helped them survive. And that was all because the American people supported a fund and that global fund works with a faith-based group to help people like Bung Learn in Cambodia. So I think, um, Mark, one of the things that people do not understand, and maybe we should uh, take a brief break and when we come back you can explain this. So when you talk about the American people funding something and how this all works itself uh, out, uh, you know, in the process of, um, you know, funding and funding sources and then actually what ends up in a budget and then what actually ends up being released and getting distributed. Can we talk a little bit about that process when we come back from the break? Because I just think that most people, it's completely foreign to most of us. You bet. Okay. Would love. So that conversation up next with Mark Lagon. Uh, he is, among other things, really, really familiar with how the process works in Congress, um, as well as in other uh, parts of the U.S. government. So it'll be fun to have this conversation about how the money actually flows from you and I as American taxpayers um, through our through our federal taxes into very, very positive things like the global fight uh, against these three very deadly diseases. Today we're focusing on TB, but it's also the global fight against AIDS and malaria. So we'll be right back with Mark Legon. Continuing my conversation with Ambassador Mark Legon. Um, among other things, Mark's history includes having served as the deputy director at the House Republican Policy Committee and a senior staffer um, on Senate Foreign Relations Committee responsible for international organizations and human rights. So when I ask him a question about how this works in terms of our taxpayer dollars actually making their way to do good around the world, he knows about that of which he now speaks. So, Mark, take it from here. How does it work? <clears throat> Look, I, you know, for my sins, I, I had to work in the U.S. government and where the sausage is made in, in Congress. Uh, and in particular, uh, I had to work on the U.N. and I know things that don't work so well. Um, it's reasonable for, uh, you know, people of faith and, and skeptical mind to worry about bureaucracy, foreign aid and, and the U.N. But one really good thing that that uh, our uh, limited uh, international um, aid money goes to is health and in particular something called the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis and Malaria. It got started up in 2002. Uh, and it, it saved, with its partners, some 32 million lives from those three infectious diseases. Each year, um, the Congress has a pretty strong consensus, despite this mess we see politically. Um, it has a consensus to, to give some uh, money to the Global Fund, which has great uh, impact. Um, and in fact, uh, our leaders have uh, decided to increase a little so that there can be even more impact um, over the next three years. 
the Global Fund provides 69% of all uh, international financing for tuberculosis. For, for that money that's beyond the governments themselves of countries, um, it, 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 it does a great deal. And tuberculosis deaths have been reduced by nearly a quarter since 2002 in countries where the Global Fund has done, it, done its work. I mean, that's really astonishing. Like, I, I hope that's something of which you're you're both really proud. And then I also know that, um, you know, the challenges, the work, it feels like the work is never done. But this is actually work that can be done. Like, we could reach a point in time when this is not a conversation that we have to have. We'd have other conversations, but we wouldn't have to have this conversation. Um, describe describe for us the vision of a world where um, we're really free. I mean, not not just we. I mean, we are in large measure free from these from these concerns. But where people who live in places where AIDS, TB, and malaria are still a, a, a driving reality, um, if they were free of these things, talk about how their lives would be different, and therefore how the world would be different. Well, you know, just speaking from my own, um, you know. Hard. I, I I just see there are all these people around the world who have these gifts that the Lord uh, you know has bestowed uh, on them. They can thrive. They can invent things. They can provide for their children. They can make their societies freer. Um, but uh, if they're poor uh, or they don't have access to health and they 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 are um, wiped out by HIV, TB, and malaria. Uh, it's just such a squandered opportunity for people who who, who are you know fellow human beings. We could, uh, by 2030 or so, um, have epidemic control of AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria. Doesn't mean no cases, but they wouldn't be epidemics anymore. TB is the interesting one for me. People hear about it much less, um, but it's it's pretty tenacious. We can cure it, but because people, there are millions of cases that aren't found in the world. The World Health Organization estimates there were about 10 million cases of TB around the world uh, but, uh, last year, but only 7 million of them reported. The reporting is coming up. There are fewer missing cases, but for all those missing cases, it spreads. There are carriers who don't uh, show that they have the disease. Um, and um, there's something called multi-drug resistant TB. If you take the drugs but you don't stick with it, you know it's a it's a it makes you feel bad to take the, these drugs for six to nine months. If you stop doing it when you feel better, then TB mutates. And uh, there there's just that is one of the biggest health security threats around the world is this drug resistant TB. Um, so not only is it harming the most vulnerable, but it's, it's a danger and a danger for us. All right. So it's, um, you know, it's flu season here in the United States of America. Um, does TB, you know, does TB have a season? Does it have um, contributing factors uh, in terms of when someone gets it? Are there are there times of the year where, I mean, you know, this is obviously a curiosity for me because I know so little. Well, you know, it is in large part uh, people in close proximity. You know, if you're mm. if you're stuffed into a place and, you know, it's it's good that the United States, you know, 
has people traveling all over the world. Our military officers, our business people, our travelers that we welcome people to our shores to you know to to appreciate what our um, society is like. But you know that creates a, a situation in, pe in which people are cl in close quarters and just catch it. It isn't a, it, it isn't something that uh, a certain warm season or cold season um, brings out. But let's take an example. You know, we talk about Ebola. There's been a scare about Ebola over in Africa um, between, you know, 2014 and, and today. Um, there were about, you know, 27,000 cases in Africa, and there was a real scare here. Um, just that drug-resistant form of TB, there were um, 4,600 cases of that drug-resistant TB in 2017. Um, that's, you know, 20 times uh, the number of cases of Ebola over a five-year period. Um, so, you know, it's a sleepy story of TB, but people should, you know, be aware that we need to help those who are vulnerable. And while we're at it, we'll be keeping our kids safe. All right. Now, sometimes when we talk about TB, there's three other letters that are associated with this. Do I need to know what those are? What, the MDR? Like, it, yeah, M MDR. Okay, so uh, to break it down, multi-drug-resistant TB. That means mm. that it's a kind of TB where the drugs don't work. I'll give you an example. In Southeast Asia, because I mentioned the case uh, of uh, the fellow in Cambodia, in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, one, two, three four different drugs against TB don't work because mm. uh, of this drug resistance. Much more expensive, much more arduous drugs to take have to be used. Um, so if we could find the cases, get people on the cheapest and best drugs, have them stick with the regime, have someone like Sovana, the brother of Bung, who kept that personal accountability and said, brother, you have to stick with taking the drugs. Um, we, can, we can not only help an individual, we can wipe out this disease. Mm. Um, I so appreciate that um, not only are you passionate and well-informed, but uh, that you help to bring all of us along in the global fight. So Mark Lagon, thank you so much again for being with us today. Uh, I want uh, I want you to go check out what's happening at theglobalfight.org and see how God might be leading you to get involved as well. Hey, Mark, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Carmen. Absolutely. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's fly like eagles today. Oh, I'm just, you know, now you got me all jazzed, Paul. You're playing my music again. I know, now I'm all distracted by my own music, <laughs> dancing in my studio. All right, maybe I should just ask this question of all of our listeners. What's your walk-up music? Like, right, what? Uh, we, we think about walk-up music when we think about ball players, particularly in baseball. They get to have that, like, walk-up music, which is really cool. What would, What's your walk-up music, right? Obviously, we have now discovered mine. Um, but what... What's your walk-up music? It could be anything. Uh, what is a song that reminds you who you are and whose you are and what in the world you're in the world to do uh, and gets you 
out the door and going. I want to know. I want to know what your walk-up music is. So you can text me, 877-933-2484, or email me, uh, my, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. That's Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. All right. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.